What's up? It's episode 66, Pain Points of Wealth, the first episode of the year. And to start off the year, the economic news is coming in with a bang. We got the Fed more hawkish than ever. Interest rates are soaring as technology stocks are starting to get hit. Oil prices going through the roof. Financials going through the roof. Everything we told you, it's all coming in fruition. We got a great show this morning. We're going to talk about how to start the year off right with your financial plan on our second segment today. So check it out. Let's hop to it. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Well, here's what I don't get, guys. You know, I'm sitting here suffering from Omicron, maybe, or maybe just a bad head cold. I'm not sure. But you're making me work today. What's going on? <laughs> There's no days off at paying capital management, Bob. Only Chris takes days off. The rest of us, we just slave away day after day, week after week. You know why I take days off? Because I deserve them. <laughs> All right. You know, it's just like old times. You know, 2022 is no different than last year. You guys are working me like a dog and you're paying me like a puppy. I get it. Well, you know what, Dad? We want to make sure that you're not contributing to this labor shortage that we're experiencing right now. I'll tell you what, that's a good point, Chris. And I'll tell you what else isn't taken off so far this year is volatility. Last year, we had no volatility, right? It was a very low volatile market. We had no big 10% correction. Everybody called for it, but it didn't happen. Of course, we told you that was the way it was going to be. But you know what? We've had a lot of volatility since the beginning of the year. And I'll tell you, I got that one question. Oh, no, Bobism. Why are there unexpected moves in the financial markets? Because they're unexpected. Exactly. They're unexpected. So actually, the Federal Reserve came out this week and announced, as expected, they were going to continue to taper their bond purchases. They were going to increase interest rates, and they were going to start to take some of the money that they accumulated on their balance sheet and sell bonds. So what wasn't expected, guys? What was unexpected is they're actually going to do all of it at the same time. They're playing catch up because we have said this in the past, you know, the Fed is always behind the eight ball. And I mean, let's be real about this, right? I mean, look what happened last year. We had inflation hit like literally a 40-year high. It took the Fed all the way till that point to say, wait a second, maybe inflation is not transitory. It's like, duh, we know it's not transitory. We've been telling you week after week, and that's exactly right. So now the Fed's paying catch up. And in addition to that, we got interest rates that were doing nothing. And this is how markets can change on a dime. All of a sudden, they've moved up 25% in just over a week's time. That's crazy. Hey, Chris, you're right about the employment situation. We do have a tight employment situation. We just saw the employment numbers come out at 3.9% this week. The labor market's definitely hot right now. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a client of mine that owns a floral business. And what he was telling me is that in the past, he's usually paid about $5,000 for a container of flowers. Now they're paying close to 20000 And that's something that they have to pass on to their customers just to be able to remain profitable. It's amazing. And it, guys, I mean, that's real inflation. That's what we've been talking about now for months. And the other problem is, how are they doing finding employees, Chris? Well, it's been a real issue, Dad. I mean, first of all, people don't want to work because they're still getting benefits from the government. And second of all, people that do want to work are demanding just incredibly high wages. You know, Chris, that was reflected in this week's unemployment report. Not only did we have 3.9% unemployment, but we also saw wages increase. It's now 4.7% year over year. That's inflationary. And if anything, it's going to make this new hawkish Fed get more aggressive. Because as Ryan said, they're behind the eight ball. Why are they always behind, Ryan? Why don't they just tune into our podcast every week? 
Bob, I mean, no truer words have been spoken, but I don't like talking about all these wage hikes because Bob's going to get the idea that we're going to raise his pay, Chris. And I just don't want that. You know, that does not sound like a recipe for success of paying capital management. Right. I thought we weren't going to talk about that this week. Right, right. No more talk about wages. You know, don't look at the purple elephant in the room. Ignore it. But I think, you know, the bottom line here is, is clearly the dynamics are changing here going right into this year. And, you know, the one thing we've talked about a lot and what's been a real conundrum on Wall Street is inflation has been extremely high, but interest rates have been extremely low. It's been this big disconnect. So it looks like interest rates are starting to catch up. And the one thing we do talk about a lot as well is when rates go up, bond prices go down. So if anyone knows our podcast, listens to our radio show, we don't like bond funds. And you're going to start to see that reason right now because bond prices are starting to really dip big time. Well, it's what's happening right now is we warned everyone and we've been positioning our portfolios to that extent is that when interest rates go up, when inflation goes up, it impacts long duration assets negatively. That's a fancy way of saying bonds go down, tech stocks go down. And take a look, here you are one week into the year, and you look over the last 12 months, the long-term treasury bond portfolio is down 5%. If you own Vanguard bond funds, you're down 2 to 3% over the last 12 months on portfolios that yield about 1%. So everyone who owns a bond fund over the last 12 months is losing money. Last I checked, guys, you invest to make money. That seems like such common sense, Bob. Shouldn't we all invest to make money? Well, here's another interesting thing, because I want to pick on this is we've been hearing literally for the last two years, gold, Bitcoin, they're inflation hedges. Well, we just saw the 40-year high in inflation. Interest rates are going higher. So the natural thought would be, well, then gold and Bitcoin should be going up. But guess what? They're not. <laughs> in fact, Bitcoin's getting crushed right now. So for all those pundits out there that have been telling us that Bitcoin and gold are inflation hedges, gold's down as well. Well, I call BS. We've been calling BS. And right now is the perfect example of that. Inflation's running rampant, but these two asset classes are doing lousy. I don't know if I should even call Bitcoin an asset class, for goodness sake. Yeah, I'm not sure really what it is. And I know you upset a lot of people on national TV last week when you announced that it could actually go to zero, even though it's down 40% over the last couple of months. But you know, the other things that's getting hit are what we call these disruptive technologies. So you look at this ARC Innovation Fund which was the hottest fund in the market two years ago, it's already down 10% year to date. You know, we're not even in the second week of January and those stocks are getting hammered. So meanwhile, the rest of the stock market is doing well, right? Let's go back and look at what happened last year, guys. The best performer in the market was energy and real estate, right? Two hedges that we had in our portfolio, true hedges against inflation that the majority of investors who don't work with us don't have a dime in. Well, you know what, Dad? I was talking to... Uh couple of my clients yesterday, first conversation I've had with them this year, and we were going over their performance from last year. And they said, you know, Chris, we really got to get into this crypto thing. I mean, we would have made a ton of money last year. I said, you know, yeah, crypto did pretty good last year. I said, but it didn't hold a candle to your domestic real estate portfolio. And they're like, no way. It's impossible. There's no way we made money in real estate. Nobody goes back to these offices. I said, well, what about data centers? I said, what about Amazon warehouses? Yeah, I'll take 40.5% return versus a negative 40% return on crypto over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, look, we don't want to be the anti-crypto podcast, but maybe we are. But, and again, I think all these assets could go higher again. There's no reason to think that they can't. But I think this is just case in point, all this logic you've heard about some of these alternative asset classes and how they're supposed to perform. And I think gold's the biggest myth because it's always said, or it's the conventional wisdom on Wall Street that gold's an inflation hedge. And we know historically, it's really not. You know, there was one time in the 70s when gold did well, when inflation was high. But any other period that we had inflation, 
gold didn't do that well. And we always take that 100-year chart of gold and you look at the performance on gold, it's done horrible. It barely keeps up with inflation long-term. So here's a perfect example where everyone believes something that's fake, that gold's a good investment, and then they compare it to their cryptocurrency and so on and so forth, and just all these false narratives. History really tells you everything you need to know, right? I mean, as we always like to say on this podcast, history doesn't repeat, but it sure does rhyme. So you know, a lot of what's happening right now, well, we can take something in history and we can equate it to what we're seeing right now. We already know. Again, gold historically doesn't quite hold up as an inflation hedge all the time. You know, it's interesting, right? You know, gold's always been a bad investment. It had one spike back in the 70s and everybody decided it was the place to be, but it hasn't been since then. But you look at oil and a lot of my clients are questioning, why is oil going up? I mean, you had the Biden administration basically said they're going to shut the industry down. You have Kathy Woods of the ARC Innovation fame saying that oil's going to go the way of whale oil. It's never going to be used again. But here's the thing. Yeah, maybe in 10 years or 15 years, we're all driving electric cars. Maybe we're all taking cruises on boats that are powered by electricity, but not in the next three years. Next three years, I go out on the road and every day I see gas-driven cars. You know, I mean, I look at cruise ships are being driven by diesel fuel. I didn't have a wind power airplane fly me to Naples last week. So what's happening is that they stopped drilling for oil. A lot of these wells got shot down. And meanwhile, the economy is coming back globally faster than anybody expected, except for we did predict that would happen. And oil is going through the roof. So when it comes to investing, again, it's counterintuitive. What makes sense on the short term doesn't always make sense in your portfolio. That's why you have to be fully invested. And right now, if you are long tech and you're long crypto and you're long bond funds, you better tune in next week because we've got some bad news for you. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 66, Pain Points of Wealth. We had an amazing year last year. We added so many subscribers, so we appreciate all the support you give us. Helps us continue to do this podcast week after week. If you like our content, love our content. If you're listening to this on iTunes, give us that five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you want us to actually address financially. We're happy to cover any topics. Let us know. If you're watching this on YouTube, please click that like button, click the subscribe button, click that little notification bell so you can be updated of all our new episodes of Pain Points of Wealth. Thank you for your support. Episode 66. We're going to do it again this year. It's going to be epic. All right, Bob and Chris, it's the tipping point where we pinpoint the pain point, P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, every year, we run financial projections for every family that works with our firm, pain capital management. And what we found is making the right decisions about your biggest assets can be the difference between financial failure or financial success. So I thought we could address how you might be taking for granted some of the assets that make up a huge piece of your net worth. Hey, Rod, you're absolutely right. Hey, Chris, you know what? One of the biggest assets we find in everybody's portfolios, their 401k, that's something a lot of people pay attention to because they're not getting a lot of help at their place of employment. Well, not only that, Dad, but you know, also if you look at a lot of these 401k menus, they're very limited. They're missing out on different asset categories. The 401ks that we manage are very diversified. And a lot of times, you know, people don't realize this, but 401ks offer things like self-directed brokerage accounts where you have a lot more options, and most people don't realize that. Hey, Chris, I think Rye's right. We have some big assets in our portfolio that make up the majority of our net worth, one of which is the 401k, and I see a lot of people making mistakes with their 401k. That's true, Dad. And all the 401ks that we manage, we went in and did a total revamp of the investment options in those plans because 99% of the time, when you look at a 401k plan, they're missing out on a ton of categories. And you know, inevitably, that hurts the performance. Well, it gets worse than that, guys. I know this is very cynical, but it seems to me like a lot of the providers of 401ks 
tend to actually recommend the funds that their firm actually creates. So out of all the funds they can recommend, and the insurance companies are the worst of this, they tend to recommend funds that put the most money in their pocket, which is pretty crazy. But you got to be really careful when you have that 401k at work, because a lot of times that menu is limited and it's limited for a reason because they want you all in their own funds. Like there's probably no greater conflict of interest than that. It's just so blatant. And I can't believe they haven't done away with that yet. You know, Rye, I'm shocked. Absolutely shocked. There's only been 100 years worth of research that show that mutual fund managers underperform their underlying index 85% of the time. So that doesn't stop them from continuing to put mutual funds in your 401k. If that's the case, you know, call your HR department, demand a change. The other thing to think about too is, I mean, there's a lot of different things you have to think about from a tax perspective now because taxes are still relatively low. You know, we've been waiting for this big tax reform. It hasn't happened yet. So you might be better off making Roth contributions to your 401k where you don't get the deduction up front, but that money grows tax-free. You can take it out tax-free later, or maybe you're getting close to retirement in your low tax bracket. It might be a good idea now to start converting some of that money to Roth where it's tax-free later. So there's just so many things you can do with your 401k and it can be such a large asset that you got to be very strategic about it. And most of you aren't. You know, it's also a great estate planning tool. You know, you may already be retired or you may be maxing out your 401k. You may be gifting money to your children, but you can also help your children out by establishing trust or gifting money to them so they can contribute to the max in their 401k. You know, hey, when I got out of college, I could barely meet my rent, let alone contribute to my 401k. It's the best thing you can do to help your children and your grandchildren fully fund that 401k because we know the earlier you start, the bigger the returns. Wait a second, Chris, where's our trust fund? I was just going to ask the same question. Hey, Dad, you know, I want to contribute to my 401k this year, but neither you nor Ryan gifted me any money. Well, that's because I have a grandson and it's now called the Liam Foundation. And if you guys need any money, you go talk to my grandson. He'll help you out. And Liam, we trust. Well, the other big asset that you really have to consider when it comes to your net worth is your home. You know, and depending where you are in life, if you're looking to retire, is it time to downsize? Is it time to remortgage while interest rates are low? You know, there's so many things to consider when you think about your home because a lot of times that can be your biggest asset. You know, you're absolutely right, guys. You know, a house can be a liability or it can be an asset. Right now, houses are going through the roof in terms of price. No better time to be a seller. Played golf the other day with a guy who's got three homes. I'm thinking, what do you need three homes for? He goes, Yeah, you're right. I said, you know, hey, I sold my home in Pennsylvania because all I kept thinking while I was on the beach was, wow. I'm spending a ton of money on air conditioning just to keep that furniture comfortable in those empty rooms. Now's a good time to really take stock of the inventory you have of homes. Well, and here's a real world example. I have a client of mine a couple of years ago. He had two homes. He had a home in Florida and a home up in Pennsylvania. And the home in Pennsylvania, he had grown up in that house and has been in his whole life. And he said, I don't want to sell it. It's, you know, it's got too much meaning to me. And I said, well, let's figure out how much it's costing you each year to have that house. And we figured out it was costing them $25,000 a year just in carrying costs to own that place. And the amazing thing happened when they ended up selling the house, their projections lasted way longer than when we initially ran them. Well, right, because it's like the double whammy. Number one, not only are you reducing expenses, but then taking that money and investing it, now you have an asset that's actually producing income for you. So especially when you're down that home stretch in that financial red zone, whether you're a couple of years out from retirement, you're retired now, you know, that's where it can be a huge difference to your portfolio thinking about those big assets like real estate. The other thing I really like to do, and this is something we do for any client or prospective client that comes into our firm, is when we sit down, is we do that whole financial audit. And it's amazing to me when we're actually going through and trying to look at you know, where all your accounts are, how many accounts you forgot you had are out there from old 401ks, old savings accounts. And when you start to bunch these accounts together, 
a lot of times that adds up to a lot of money. There's a lot of money you probably have out there you don't even remember you have because you haven't done a financial audit. Well, here's a real world example of that. The thing I love most about this job is when I meet with somebody for the first time and they say, you know what, I'm never going to be able to retire. I don't have enough money. And I was doing a projection for a client recently. And it took about a month to get me all their statements because they had so many accounts, so many of these small accounts. Well, bottom line is that it added up to be in over a million and a half dollars. And we went through the projections and we found out that if they work just for five more years, they're going to be retired and set for life. Well, you know, that's a miracle of compounding, but you have to have your money invested to keep it compounding. That's the problem. We're taught from birth. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. So a lot of you take all your money and spread it out, all these different custodians, but then you forget to see what's going on in those accounts because you're too busy living life. I mean, let's face it, guys, managing money's boring for most people. You know, we're geeks. We love doing it. But, you know, when you have all that money spread out, you're not typically getting a better return. You're underperforming pretty dramatically. Yeah. And that's the thing I love to do is we put everything on a spreadsheet and then you start to add up all the cash that you have. Because if you have like 15 different accounts and each one of those accounts has a little bit of cash, you add it up all of a sudden, say half a million dollars. It's a million dollars in cash and you're literally earning nothing sitting in the bank right now. Whereas inflation running at like 7%, that's a huge disconnect between what the cost of living is and what your money's doing for you. And you're right, investing is so freaking boring, right? It's just about your money compounding over time. And that's the thing you have to think about is that compounding effect. Not like, oh, I want to get into the market now because it might go higher. I want to get out of the market, it might go lower. It's not about that. It's about getting your money invested. So each day you earn that interest each quarter, those dividends pay out so that that cash flow keeps building on itself over time. It's that snowball effect. It doesn't get talked about enough. So it's just so critical right now to make sure your money's productive. Well, it's also good for your mental health. When you put it all together in like our e-money portal, where you're able to drop in and see what you're worth so that you don't have to freak out when markets get volatile or you feel uncertain about your future. I mean, I have a client who's retired. He calls the other day and he's, oh, my roof has to be repaired. I got to put new gutters on. I need 20,000. Oh, I hate taking money out. I said, hey, pull up B-Money. You got 7 million in your portfolio. You can afford to take $20,000. He goes, oh, I feel better now. I'm going to go play golf. Sorry I called. You know, so it's really a great peace of mind to know that you where everything is and that it's all working. And that's the key. The key is keep your money compounding. That's the magic, right? That's the eighth wonder of the world. Hey, Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you've saved over $750,000 and you want a more hands-on approach and you want to get a full holistic review of your investments, well, every week we do 10 free complimentary financial plans, total financial master plans that we've been doing now for the last couple of years where we literally go through everything for you. There's no other firm on Wall Street that'll go through this much detail up front. We'll go through every holding that you have. We'll look at every fee that you're paying. We'll look at tax optimization. We'll do a full income and expense plan to figure out what you're spending annually, what you need to be saving, and how to build an income plan for retirement or financial independence. We do 10 of these a week. Our total financial master plan, if you've saved over $750,000 for retirement, if you want to see if you qualify, simply go to www paincm.com slash financial plan. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. So Bob, Florida's population, particularly in the Miami, Orlando, and Tampa metro areas has mushroomed 
topping 21 million in 2020. That's a 14.6% increase over the last 10 years from 2010 and nearly twice the nation's growth of 7.4% a year. Bob, you live in Florida. You're in the hottest part of the country, man. Well, you know what, Rye? I knew all about this population growth because our colleague Barbara lives here all year round. And she used to complain during the season that traffic was really bad. Now it's all year round. Lots of people moving to Florida, lots of people moving full time. Traffic is awful, but the weather's pretty darn good. And no state income tax. And no state income tax. And more freedom, man. Chris, non fungible tokens became a head scratching asset class, if we can call it that, after an NFT of a digital collage by an artist named Beeple sold at auction for $69 million. This is just a freaking digital piece of art, Chris. 69 million. That's crazy. Well, this is definitely a head scratcher. I can't imagine paying $69 million for basically what's the equivalent of a JPEG or a GIF. But I'll tell you what, you know, we should get on this train. We should start an NFT EFT. Hey, right along with Bobcoin, we'll have a uh, BNFT, a Bob non-fungible token. I like it. So Bob, traditional carbon-based energy, because global demand will continue to increase and it can't be substituted away, no matter what they tell you, Already, we're close to 2019 levels, and we're only at 40% office occupancy. Man, oh man, oil could go a lot higher here. Hey, don't forget, not only are people not going back to the office yet, but how many people are really taking vacations or going on cruises or traveling internationally or traveling to see their clients? Business travel's way down. That's all going to come back to pre-COVID levels. And the only way to get there is an oil-based earning vehicles, right? Like planes, cars, automobiles. Hey, we can make a movie out of this. Oil demand is going up. Price of oil supply is not going to be able to keep up. Price of oil is going higher, guys. You heard it first here on Pain Points of Wealth. All right, Chris, the market, quote unquote, almost never produces an average return. The S&P 500 has gained 5% to 10% just six times in the past 94 years. The S&P 500 goes up about two thirds of the time, but when it does, it has a big gain. It gains an average of 18%. It has a decline of about one-third of the time, and when it does, the average drop is 14%. So either you're up big or you're down big. There's no in-between. You know, guys, when I started in this business about 10 years ago, I constantly shake my head as to why we compare our performance to a market that doesn't get an average market return. Just blows my mind. Well, also those annuities that tell you how they only take a little bit of the upside when the market goes up big. Well, if it's going to go up, it's probably going to go up big, so you're going to take all your upside. But that's another story for another podcast. All right, gentlemen, great first podcast of the year. We're going to come in hot this year. We're going to give you the best information on the street. If you like our content, love our content, subscribe, click that like button. If this is on YouTube, click that notification bell. You can be updated every week of our new podcast. Let's have a great year. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.